You are listening to audio from Riverside Church. If you would like to check out more resources, please visit riverside.church. Good morning. Ah, so we're still on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, yeah. So two weeks ago, I talked about being judgmental. And if you remember that, this morning I get to talk about the wide gate leading to destruction and false prophets. I want to know, can we just talk about Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. Peace, rest. Doesn't that sound nice? Nicer than talking about judgment and destruction. But that's where we're at. Maybe I'll throw in a little Psalm 23 this morning throughout the sermon. For the real part of it, you'll have to wait till Dave Hipskin this summer. I'm looking forward to that. So, no memes this morning. Sorry, so let's get right into the passage. Matthew 7, 13 to 20. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by by their fruit, you will recognize them. Let's pray here. God, I thank you for your word. And that as we preach through it, passage by passage, we come to easy ones, we come to hard ones. I pray you guide us and speak to us through this time. Amen. Okay, I lied. I do have one meme. Now, I'm sure the meme writer is trying to make the point that middle-aged men that drive small convertibles can't get through the narrow gate. We know that's not true, right? Okay, so what does the gate refer to? We can move on. Let's get back to the text. The first part, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So here we have Jesus. He's talking about two gates and two paths. There's a wide path and a wide gate and a narrow path and a narrow gate. We'll see if I can keep that straight. The wide path. Narrow path. Two options. Narrow gate, wide gate. One leads to life, one leads to destruction. So the first obvious point to to make here, there's only two options. Two distinct gates. It's either one or the other. Gate one or gate two. If you were a software guy like Joel Haubel, this would be a binary option. He would probably say gate zero or gate one. Gate one or gate two. Narrow gate or the wide gate. Having two distinct gates means, one of the implications is, there's no middle gate. We can often think like that, right? There's no gate 1.5. 
There's no room for thinking, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not too bad. Maybe I'm better than so-and-so over there. We, ha we have in our, in our home group. I was going to use Brian for this morning, but I didn't ask him about this. But Brian is our uh, bad example in home group. I don't know how it happened that way. I think Ethan was the bad example, and then he moved, and Keith looked around and thought, Brian, there you go. So at least he, you know, there's no room for thinking, well, I'm better than Brian. No, it's, it's one or the other. Having two gates also means there's not multiple ways to God. That's a common thought in our time. Probably a common thought in many times, but definitely it's a common thought in our time. There's a narrow path and a wide path, not a multitude of paths. So everyone is either going through the narrow gate or the wide gate. Am I being redundant here yet? I'm trying to make a point. It's clear that Jesus is saying there's only two options here. So the obvious question is, for all of us, which path are we on? Which path are you on? The wide path or the narrow path? This is the most important question you're ever going to face. Which path are you on? But not yet. Let's talk about that later. First, let's look at the next verse there. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. False prophets. Who are the false prophets of our time? I'm sure we all have thoughts on this topic. I work for a truck manufacturer. And, we're, and of course, we're working on electric vehicles. We have a lot of diesel trucks. Most of our trucks are diesel trucks. Uh, the diesel people, they think the electric vehicle people are the false prophets of our time. The electric vehicle people think the diesel people are, well, maybe not the false prophets, just dinosaurs. But I'm going to propose to you that a common false prophet in our time is saying that there are multiple ways to get to God or that in the end we're all going to get to God. The idea of universalism. It's common. It's so common that there's denominations built around that very idea, that there's all these different ways to get to God. One reason it's common is because it's attractive. Who wants to tell people they're on the path to destruction? Can't we just talk about Psalm 23? Green pastures, quiet waters... No destruction there. But because universalism doesn't agree with what Jesus is teaching here, then Jesus is saying that these are the false prophets. That attractiveness of universalism is actually the sheep's clothing. And that makes them ferocious wolves leading people on a path to destruction. That's not an, a fun thing to say, but it that's what Jesus is saying here in this passage. Now, I don't want to make it sound like I'm mocking people that believe in universalism or that teach that. I know very well-meaning people there. It's an attractive message, but in the end, I think that Jesus is telling it that this is a false message. Now, I think the other argument you can make there is that, yes, there's only one gate, that leads to God, but there's multiple ways through that gate. 
maybe one gate, but many gatekeepers. Let's look at John 10. I think Jesus disputes that idea. In John 10, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus is the gate for the sheep. That's us. In case you missed that in the story there, we're the sheep. And it's only if we enter through Jesus that we're saved. At least that's what Jesus says here. If you want to come up with some other plan for salvation, you can. Many people have, but that's not what Jesus is saying is the plan. But look at verse 9. The sheep will come in and go out and find pasture. I told you I was going to bring it back to that Psalm 23, right? Reminds me of green pastures, quiet waters. Yes, Dave, I'm stealing part of your sermon. Peaceful, maybe even idyllic. Isn't that nice? Attractive. And it's true, right? That's not, mm, yeah, it's true. And at the end, Jesus says in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Real life. That's what Jesus is offering through this narrow gate. I think there's a picture of going through the narrow gate as being a boring life of... uh, Depravity or not depravity. How do you say it? If you're depriving yourself, that's not depravity. Thank you, Rachel. That's what I get for not going off, for going off script here. Okay. Well, let's go back to what I said is the most important question that you're going to face. Which path are you on? First, in order to answer that question, you have to ask the a lead-up question, what does Jesus mean by these two paths or gates? He's a little cryptic in it, which does seem pretty typical. You might ask why Jesus is often cryptic, but that would probably lead us down a rabbit trail. Susan would love us to go down every rabbit trail we come to, but we're not going to do that this morning. So let's look at a few other passages. What does it mean to go through the narrow gate? At Camp Raybird, they have a verse for each day. They go through the plan of salvation with kids uh, throughout the week. On Thursday is Red and White Day. Is it still Red and White Day? I get confused on that. They change it up a little bit. Talking about Jesus dying for us, red for his blood, and that his sacrifice takes away our sin and makes us clean as snow. We used to use Romans 10.9 for the verse of the day. I heard it's coming back this week. Nice. So let's look at verses 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are being saved. I was planning on singing the song up here. We've got a song for verse 9, but we'll pass on that. You could ask somebody that's been to camp to sing you the song. Maybe David will. Maybe. I'm definitely not doing a dance. <laughs> no? Okay. 
So most of you probably heard this verse or familiar with the idea, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, what we would call faith. Our faith in Jesus is what saves us. But is this the same as what he's talking about with the two paths or the two gates? The two gates do sound kind of like that, that decision of faith where I decide that I'm going to trust Jesus. But the path does seem to imply a path, right? Something that you're walking along. Not just a one-time decision like a gate. Like I said, something that you're walking along. So what does it mean to be on that path? Let's look at the rest of the passage for today to help with that. In verse 16, it says, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. And a bad tree, every good tree bears good fruit, but there's too many trees and fruits here. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, technically, this section is referring to the false prophets that we talked about earlier. It is a little beyond the scope of that passage to say that this applies to the path that we're walking on. But I do believe that it applies there. It's always risky to take something out of context like that. So let's look at John 15 that has the same thing that does directly apply to us. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus is saying here that the fruit in our lives is what shows us to be his disciples. This shows that we're on the narrow path. It's the fruit in our life. Now, to be clear, the fruit is evidence, not causative, right? We are not, our fruit is not what puts us on the narrow path, but it is evidence that we are on that narrow path. Or conversely, it's evidence if we're not, if there's not fruit. And you might ask, okay, we talk about fruit here. Again, we're a little cryptic, but what does that, what does that mean? Galatians 6 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. First, I want to note here, this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the, the Holy Spirit working in us to produce this fruit. We have a part? Absolutely. We've got a part in all of this, right? And the balance between our part and God's part in how do we produce this fruit or what does it look like to be walking on this narrow path that's a hard thing to parse out, and we could talk a long time about that. Suffice it to say that we both have a part in this, right? There are things that I need to do. So then we have the fruit there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that show the world that we are Jesus' disciples. It does matter if you've gone through the gate, but it also matters if you're on the path. Let's look at one more passage to help us define 
this. Matthew 10. Then Peter spoke up. We've left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. You might be asking, are you saying I just need to leave everything and, and, and walk away? And that's not, not the point, but I do think the point is that it's easy for us to rely on ourselves, on our accomplishments, on my friends, on my house, on my job, whatever it is, right? It's too easy to rely on ourselves. And I think that what we're talking about here is to leave those things and to rely on Jesus. Trusting in yourself seems to be the wide path that most people are on. The narrow path would be to trust in him. A little earlier in Matthew 10, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Simple faith in Jesus, not ourselves coming to him like a child. That's what it looks like to go through the narrow gate. I think you can summarize that by saying, are you willing to say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Knowing that calling him Lord means giving over control of your life. Being willing to live the life that he is calling you to. Trusting in him, not yourself producing the fruit he's called you to. So that question then becomes, have you done that? Have you decided to give up trusting in yourself and put your life in Jesus' hands? That's what it means to go through the narrow gate. I had one tangent thought here back in February. Keith, is Keith the uh, lame duck pastor now? Andrew's it. Okay. Anyways. Keith preached on Matthew 5. Blessed are you when persecuted and when insulted. And I think if none of those things ever happen to you, remember he said that blessed are you when these happen to you because of Jesus, right? Not because we're jerks. It's a different, whole different thing if you're persecuted and insulted because you're a jerk. But if none of those things are happening to you, then maybe you, you need to ask the question, am I on the wide road with everybody else? Now, I'm not saying that the narrow path should be a miserable existence, and if people aren't mocking you 24-7, you're not a real Christian. Remember, we had John 10, the real life, Psalm 23. Jesus is offering us real-life green pastures. And as Andrew said last week, don't be bashful about receiving good gifts. There's good gifts out there for us. But if your life doesn't look that much different, than the world around you, then maybe you're on the wide path. It's a question I think that you need to ask yourself. So I want to talk about, there's a classic business management book called Good to Great. It's a funny segue there to go from the Bible to a business book. But if you stick with me, hopefully you'll see my point. Good to Great's a case study of several companies to see what did it take for them to go from a mid-pack company to being best in class, in whatever class they were in. 
to put that in a personal, uh, personal perspective, isn't that what we want? For ourselves to be greatly accepted, loved, respected, whatever adjective you want to put there, right? And to be honest, in our context, we're not starting it good. Now, we got to do a little segue here, or a little, sorry, rabbit trail. I wanted to put in here, we're going from bad to great. Andrew said, no, we got to change that from lost to great. We don't have time to completely unpack that here, but there are some, because there are some important theological distinctions. But I want to point out a few things about that. First, most important, we're all created in God's image and incredibly valuable, regardless of which path we're on. It's an important point to remember in this whole discussion. Second, all of us were on the wide path leading to destruction at some point. All of us. And the Bible's clear that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were on that wide path. But prior to the point where we decided to follow Jesus and enter through that narrow gate, we were clearly not good. We were headed for destruction, and the Bible's clear on that. Whether you say we were bad or not, or we were doing bad things, that's the, you could debate that with Andrew sometime. But I think that we tend to think, yeah, I was okay. I'm marginally okay here. You know, I'm kind of just floating around, trying to decide which way do I go. Which path am I going to be on? But Jesus is saying there's only two paths. You're not in the middle deciding which path you're going to be on. You're on one path or the other. My fourth point here is that if we are on the narrow path, it's only by God's grace. Ephesians 2 says, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith and not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not my works, so that no one can boast. That if you're on the narrow path, you cannot boast and say, ah, I'm on the narrow path. You poor sinners on the wide path. Well, one, we were all there. Two, God values those people, all of us. So there should be no pride associated in any of that. So while I think there are accurate things about using the word bad, it can also be misleading, right? So I'll go with Andrew and use lost. All right, back to the book. What they found in the study was in order to go from good to great, one of, the, one of the key things was you had to hold two ideas at the same time. Two competing ideas that you had to hold true. The first is you have to have an accurate understanding of where you're currently at. Where am I actually at? Is my product good or bad? How do I stand in the... In the uh, in the whole marketplace regime there. For us, it would be, am I on the narrow road or am I on the wide path leading to destruction? Can I honestly evaluate my current position? To go from good to great requires an honest assessment of where you're at. Not overly pessimistic or overly optimistic, but honest. The other requirement is to believe that you could be great for the company. To not think that you're stuck here in the, as, yeah, we're a pretty good company, but to believe that you could be great. They could be first in their category. 
they're not stuck being the 19th best cabinet maker in the state. For us, it would be not being stuck where we're at. Your honest assessment is not the final answer. God's given us great encouragement for this in this, and he has a calling for each of us to step into. There's a king, and he is calling us to follow him. That seems like the definition of a great goal. And it is attainable. Sorry. God's calling us and offering us his Holy Spirit to guide us and actually change us. Most people can actually can hold one of these as true, right? either one or the other, but it's harder to hold both. So two possible errors here. The first would be to ignore your current state. I can be great, actually. I think I already am. Right. As a matter of fact, so are all of you. We're all great. Well, counselor we knew in Ohio said, I don't trust anyone who has not really recognized their sinful nature. We have to be able to honestly evaluate our current condition. And that can be hard. It might take asking somebody around you, somebody that knows you, or talking about it and praying about it. I believe that God wants to reveal to us. But there's a second area that can be a little sneaky. John Ortberg talks about this in the opening chapter, chapter of his book, The Life You've Always Wanted. That book is definitely worth reading and, and owning. But I'm going to paraphrase one section. He says, One of the most profound statements I've heard about the human condition was one I first encountered when I was five years old. It was spoken by my hero, Popeye the Sailor Man. Some of you kids, you might have to ask your parents. When he was frustrated or wasn't sure what to do or felt inadequate, Popeye would simply say, I am what I am. Popeye was not a sophisticated guy. He, was a, he knew who he was, a simple, seafaring, pipe-smoking, olive-oil-loving sailor man. And he wouldn't pretend to be anything else. He owned his story. I am what I am. But I always thought there was a note of sadness in Popeye's expression. It was generally offered as an explanation of his shortcomings. It does not anticipate much growth or change. It doesn't leave him much of a shot at getting to be what he am not. Don't get your hopes up, he seemed to say. Don't expect too much. I am what I am. And he would add in his bleakest moments, that's all I am. So I think the second error is to recognize your current state, but be stuck there and think, I am what I am. What can I do? So that's a challenge for you today. Do you want to be on the path from good to great, from lost to great? If so, there's two things you need to answer for yourself. First question, have you gone through the narrow gate? Which path are you on? There's a king calling us to go through the narrow gate and onto the narrow path, and only a few find it. Are you on the narrow path to life or the wide path to destruction? What does the fruit in your life say? You might say there's like four questions there, but really it's all one question, right? Where are you at? And the second question is, if you're on the wide path leading to destruction, are you going to stay there? 
Are you just going to say, I am what I am? Are you going to choose to follow him on the narrow path? Jesus is the only one offering us real life. There's a lot of competing things out there trying to tell us that they're offering us real life, but Jesus is the only one. So, while the worship team's coming back up, I want to say there's people in the back that'll pray with you if you want to pray. Maybe you've been on the wide path and you don't want to remain there. God is waiting with open arms and he would love to pray with you. It's almost like, I don't know if how many of you were here early, but Keith was up here doing a worship practice and Tommy, who has been overseas for four months, walked in and Keith, my son, ran down here, almost knocked somebody over, poor to hug Tommy, right? What a picture, but that's God, right? He's calling us. God is waiting with open arms, and he would love, we would love to pray with you back there if you want to pray. Maybe you've gone through the narrow gate, but your life doesn't quite show as much fruit of the Spirit as you want. We would love to pray with you also. Or maybe God is nudging you, and you're not sh- quite sure why. You're not quite ready to pray with somebody maybe in the back. Here at Riverside, we believe that life, hap- life change happens often in the context of relationships. That's why we encourage home groups so much. So I'd encourage you to talk to someone. Maybe someone in your home group. Maybe one of the leaders or the pastors here. We still have two pastors for one more week. Or a friend you can trust. But I encourage you to not let it go, to deal with it and address the question. Thank you for listening to Riverside Church. For more resources, visit riverside.church.